going on, everyone? Welcome to the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show, episode number 83. My guest this week is Jasmine St. Clair. Jasmine made a name for herself in the adult film world and then went on to uh, pursue professional wrestling and managing, in the, most notably in the ECW. She has also been in such films as National Lampoon's Dorm Days and Communication Breakdown. Now, Jasmine has also been on uh, Howard Stern, I want to say maybe 15 times or so. Um, And she is one of Howard's uh, most popular guests. She now has her own podcast called Crazy Train Podcast. Um, I do encourage you to check that podcast out. It is very entertaining. Um, And I'm going to talk to her about her podcast and everything else. If you like this show, please make sure you... uh, Subscribe wherever you are listening, and please rate this show and give us a review on Apple Podcast. If you want to see a video version of this episode, head on over to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. I don't even know where to begin with you because you've had such an amazing, crazy career. Right? <laughs> you've been you've been an adult film star. You've been a professional wrestler manager. <laughs> You got your own podcast. You've you've done something with stocks, right? When you what first started, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of stuff. Then I worked as a VJ for quite some time. Yeah. Um, then I was doing all that spokesmodel work for for Coffin Case and BC Rich Guitars, which was so much fun. By the way, it was a fun time back then. Going to the NAM convention, mm-hmm. uh, I think they have it in Tennessee or used to once a year, but. It was so different then with music and wrestling and it's just everything just, I don't know, somehow it gets all interlinked, right? Somehow yeah. or another. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. But I want to talk to you about, um, I really want to get into your podcast because I love talking to other podcast hosts. Um, <laughs> but let's start, let's go back a little bit. Let's start at the beginning, Jasmine. Okay. <clears throat> okay, um, doctor. Yes. <laughs> um, where do you were from New York? Is that correct? <laughs> Okay, yeah. but you weren't you weren't born there, right? Oh God, no, no. People like they always think I was born there. Do I sound like I was born in New York? No, um, no. I was born in Saint Croix, the U.S. Virgin Islands. Right. Okay, and so then how old were you when you went to New York? Like four or five, maybe four, late four, like a soft five, late four. <laughs> Okay, okay. And I'd still go back to St. Croix because uh, my dad lived there and he had a business there. I just visited there like two years ago. It's still so beautiful. And so it's nice. Yeah, yeah. It hasn't um, been gentrified, thank God. The what? Thank God we ha- it's not been gentrified. Oh, so you yeah. don't have, as long as like the hipsters stay away, um, <laughs> everything's fine. <laughs> You're not big on the hipsters, huh? Oh my God. Have you seen them? It's like, they get these mullet haircuts. They don't even get it. Like a mullet. Are you like purse? <laughs> um, I, I guess so. I guess so. Why not? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like a mullet's a fucking way of life. It's a mm-hmm. lifestyle. It's not a haircut. It's a lifestyle as well. Like if you have, if you really are a mullet, you've got the haircut. Yeah. But like you listen to that music, chances are you drink beer, preferably like PBR or like one of those really cheap beers. They wear midriff tops. They watch wrestling and, you know, they don't necessarily live in gentrified areas. So these, I just, I don't like it when like a hipster is nothing more than a boring middle of the road person. Mm-hmm. They bear the image of a rebel and a badass and they're not. 
Mm. And they rip off things from different eras that were really cool. I see. Because they're not cool. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So growing up in New York, um, you you went to school too as well, right? You got a degree? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I actually, like I went to school in New York, most of my academic career in London. And uh, then I finished up my academic career in New York City. Okay. And what did you get your degree in? Business. Okay. And then after school, you went and worked in doing the stock thing, right? Oh, yeah. That was a very brief stint. Yes. Yeah. But that didn't go well from what I understand, (laughs) right? (laughs) It didn't go too well. No, Um, no. What happened with that? It's just this idea that I had that salt didn't go too well. It was, um, uh, did you ever see the movie Wall Street? Mm Mm-hmm. It's called insider trading. The thing is, yeah. everyone does it mm-hmm. nowadays. You know, look at Nancy Pelosi, mm-hmm. but they get away with it. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was more of a taboo thing, you know, and I, we were selling a commodity that really wasn't there and just took off with a pinch of money. Oh, geez. I know. It's whatever. Come on. You got to do something once in a while, right? You got to do something that's, you know, you just go with things. And what, sometimes you just go with it. <laughs> <I know. laughs> I know that's a very irresponsible thing to say. Like if you see an alligator and there's like alligator wrestling, yeah, I'm going to try it. You know, why not? What's the worst that could happen? It'll probably snap my finger. Okay, whatever. I'll just get a replacement <laughs> finger. That's what health insurance for. <laughs> so what, what happened to you? What, what ended up happening? Um, nothing. Nothing. No, nothing. Okay. Okay. I paid a fine, like a $35,000. No, oh, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I think like half the time when you make your money off those types of things, um, <clears throat> you always end up spending it on a lawyer or something else. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So did you <laughs> always want to get into that to business when you were going to school? Um, I think so, because like by nature, I'm pretty industrious. And like growing up, I would um, I'd sell things like I, I had small jewelry business. Uh I still have a jewelry business. It's very um, small. It's okay. called the Vintage Affair. And it's all vintage jewelry for men and women from like the 20s um, till like the 60s and 70s and some 80s. It's weird because I just cool. listed this ring that I had, like this Jaguar gold tone ring with these crazy stones. Mm-hmm. And it sold like right away on eBay. So nice. like I have an Etsy store with it. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's just it's fun looking at the stuff. And I could see why people are drawn to it. So I have like a lot of clip-on earrings, cufflinks, uh, tie things, brooches, everything. So do you go out searching for this jewelry at like different <laughs> antique shops or different, like different places? Uh, sort of. They find me. They uh, find it's you? a collector's group I belong to. Okay. And like that batch of rings, it was a total steal for 60 bucks. I mean, just that one ring alone, I just paid for um, a third of everything. And I still have like a zillion more left. Some of them are 14 karat gold too. Nice. So you have jewelry yeah. all over your house? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, it's kept away. <laughs> right. I just got a photograph though. It takes forever to photograph that stuff. And it's so difficult. You got to photograph each individual piece. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That sounds like it sucks. It's okay. Like I have a cat, like our cat, he's really cute, but I have the little photo thing set up and then he jumps in there sometimes. Mm. Yeah. So you get pictures of your cat? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I get him out <laughs> in time, but I think he wants to be in the photos, but he's not for sale. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so back to your story. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we went to school. We, we did that thing with the stocks. <laughs> and then after that, um, is that when you went to LA or California? I mean, how yeah, did you no, get it was it? after that. Like I'd been to LA a few times before to look mm-hmm. around and it, it was like, it was fun back then. It's not like, um, what people, sorry, see yeah. it as now. Mm-hmm. And it was way cooler because now like you come here, it's not the same. Believe me. Sure. I've never seen like people like so sensitive over shit, you know, it's like grab the goddamn tampon and stick it down your throat. My God. It's just like a weeping thing every day, but um, it was wild. It was a fun time. I mean, people were, uh, I guess they were like more free with who they were and people just didn't really have this whole culture of sensitivity going on. You know, Mm -hmm. why do you think, why do you think that came in? Why do, why do people get that? Yeah. I'll tell you why, because there's such a thing called cancel culture. Mm -hmm. And what cancel culture really is, is this thing people do when they cannot understand something or they definitely never lived it. And what they'll do is they'll just argue with you instead of accepting it. So things are in their narrative a little better. I don't know if that makes sense. And it's not like, sorry, it's not like a red thing. It's not a blue thing. It's not a liberal. It's not a, a Republican thing. It's not any of that. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as long as you, you, you think it's okay to have like, um, you know, I, I, if you think it's okay to like, let me rephrase this. I think it's okay to say that there are a lot of girls that go around, you know, castrating guys these days because of this whole fake me too movement and this whole bullshit, this double standard thing they do. Um, you know, if you're going to dress kind of like promiscuous, of course, people are going to look at you and then, right let's say you speak out against that people could cancel you because what you are saying is true. I mean, what I am saying is true. It's like, it's, it's gotten to the point where um, people are just canceling things out for no reason, just because you have a different viewpoint of things. And I'm not sure. I think it's just a younger generation that doesn't understand anything. And they're just highly misinformed and clueless. Like okay. another part of one of my careers that I got into here last year um, <clears throat> or a little over a year ago is politics like local politics in Santa Monica. Oh, geez. I had fun with that. Come on. You don't think I have fun with that? I'm sure you do. It's not for me, but. No, I had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. I was running a campaign for my friend um, for city council. And unfortunately, when you say the word moderate here, they think you're the devil. You know, so that's, you know, where that whole thing ended up. But now they want a moderate in office here because it's just, it's the only way you're going to clean things up and like clean up the streets of crime. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think all my life I've been a registered Republican. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, a bad person, but. (laughs) No, no. So you head out to California and then somehow you find your way into the adult industry. Yeah. How How did that happen? Um. Yeah, I knew a lot of people that I knew a lot of the girls that were feature dancers and it seemed like a really like that's the next level up, you know, and it was a way better. Okay. Yeah, way better business than I mean, way more fun and way more glamorous. And, you know, I stuck around with that for like two, two and a half years. Yeah, you didn't do it long. Three years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, how did that happen, though? Did someone approach you or did you seek <laughs> oh, it out? God, no, no. 
whenever it's anything crazy, you've got to like somehow. If it's anything that's a bit obscure or crazy, just understand. I probably sought it out. It didn't come finding me. I mean, it kind <laughs> of does find me the way it puts itself in its path in the path. Um, you know, I just looked around, you know, I was investigating like how these girls made that type of money. Mm-hmm. So I had a manager then and I, you know, I was talking to him and just everything was like history from there. Okay. Was it good money? <clears throat> Back then. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's, I just had a guest on my podcast this past week. I mean, who told me it's just not what it was before, which is sad. Mm-hmm. Um, those days are gone. Mm-hmm. Like you could never ever recreate them. Sorry, it's my cat Enzo. No, uh, <laughs> you could never recreate those days. Like what they were. Right. I think the closest thing to it was the Deuce on the last season on HBO. Other than that, you just it's never gonna like be like that. You're never gonna find that whole like <clears throat> like aura and the whole feeling of the whole avian in Vegas and everything. It's just mm-hmm. um, back then people didn't work as hard in those scenes. Like you didn't have to do as much work and the girls looked like girls. They looked like women. Mm-hmm. And uh, you didn't have to question if they were or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and what else? Yeah, it was way cooler and very mm-hmm. glamorous for sure. Do you remember, I'm sure you do the <clears throat> first, your first scene. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Was it pretty nerve wracking or were you just excited? No, I was just like, it's nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I bet. That's what I, I mean. Think. It was fun. Like whatever. It was just, I was like, well, you know, okay, this is cool. Whatever. Um, so I was working with Peter North. We shot in Palm Springs and I hadn't really know much about the business before. I didn't really know a lot of people in that business or I didn't know mm-hmm. who the stars were. Cause I didn't really watch, like grow up watching this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it was like all uphill. I had a contract where I'd work one day out of the month. Um, then I'd like outgrown the whole adult thing. It was just so boring. Sure. Sure. What, <clears throat> what I, is the average career for an adult star? I have no idea. I mean, you're talking about, I, I just, it's really hard to tell. Everyone's mm-hmm. different. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you made a name for yourself in a short, amount of time though i mean you became one of the more popular stars that was the whole goal right you not to be around that type of toxic environment for too long Mm -hmm. um i mean i was never really friends with a lot of people in that business when i was doing it i never lived near them i never socialized with them i just didn't like i had no desire to because i wasn't from that same upbringing so yeah (laughs) And you became like one of the top Howard Stern guests, I I believe. I was his highest rated guest. That's got to feel good. Yes, it does. (laughs) Especially when he admits it. I grew up watching Stern and I grew up listening to him. um, And he had that whole uh, album upgrade program back in like the 80s. Where you send in, yeah. So like I had, I had a cream wheels of steel by cream Mm -hmm. and it was um, scratched up pretty bad. So on his album upgrade program, I sent him back the album and I got like an upgraded version of it, like a brand new version. Well, look at that. Yeah. So that was my memory of Stern. Then meeting him like uh, face to face was incredible. Uh Were you more nervous going into Howard Stern the first time or doing your first film? No. Stern. Stern. Yeah, because yeah. he, he's like a—he was really a tall guy. <laughs> tall. Mm-hmm. How tall are you? Five seven. 
Okay. He's, he's like six foot something, right? I'd say six, five. <laughs> so I'm almost a full foot taller than you. Yeah, exactly. And then his whole like larger than life persona on air <clears throat> is what really makes him seem like so much larger than that. So when you show up at the Howard Stern show, I mean, what happens? Where do, how do they treat you? What, what goes They're on there? They treat me really well. Don't forget like New York's my hometown. Ouch, please do not bite me, Enzo. Hold on, my cat. Tell, um, tell that cat you're in the middle of uh, talking Enzo, to somebody. Enzo, right hold on. So I would take the red eye flight in. So that way I would just be there, like I'd sleep on the plane, get up. Um, I'd go to my apartment in Manhattan since I were up there. And then, you know, we still had a place there. Uh, Sometimes I'd go straight to the show from the airport or I'd just shower up quickly, then go to the show. And then I just meet up with friends afterwards to have something to eat because it was right by this really cool health food diner and by the Scandinavian ski store on Fifth Avenue. That's where his old office was, <clears throat> his old studio. So that was always fun. Okay. Did they prep you for what he's going to ask you, or is it just you don't no. know? No, okay. it's improv. It's improv. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So you did the Stern Show. You also did Jerry Springer, I believe, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How was that? Because, I mean... Um, <clears throat> It's like doing improv again, except the audience isn't, those aren't your friends. Uh, it was interesting. I mean, you really see what middle, you really see like what a beautiful country America is. It allowed slobs like that to be on TV in the middle of the day on prime right. time TV. It was a huge uh, show. Yeah, it was, it was just another, another thing. You, didn't you know, I didn't fight, know it was did such, I didn't know it was going to be such a big deal you know, much later on to be featured, um, you know, on Vice TV and stuff when you go on like Dark Side of the 90s. And like, I had no clue that that was what was going to be next. So mm. being that now Vice has this whole thing, it just pops back up there. And it's so strange, like seeing those things like from then now, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. So <laughs> what, what, made you decide to get out of the adult world um i would say that and i'm sorry i'm just like i have this fisherman's friend in my throat this cough drop mm-hmm. oh wait was it. um you know i just think everything runs its course in time and at that point you know all i did was just take an opportunity that was there um i do i, I feel kind of bad the way it went down because I was working for Rob Black. It was my last contract in that business. But Rob's kind of the one that led me into pro wrestling because he had his own wrestling league too. <clears throat> but he introduced me to ECW. Like I grew up as a wrestling fan, mm-hmm. but he had something with Paul Heyman where I went in and did this spot on Living Dangerously. And then from that moment on, I was hooked to being in the ring. You loved it. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I was taken a slamming in another way, but <laughs> so <laughs> that's a good one. That's true. <laughs> so when you get into wrestling now, is there training that they put you through to learn how to do these things or you, they just throw you in there? No, you, you they kind of show you things beforehand, but I actually had training. I, I was trained by Monda Guerrero and Sue Sexton. And what do you learn? What, like, what is the, what's important to learn? How to fall, how to protect yourself, how to tuck your chin, 
how to roll forward, roll back, like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now you took a pile driver. I saw online a I video. There's a few. a few of them. So that seems pretty dangerous. Um, it's actually an outlawed move. That is, is a banned move. Yeah. Okay. I could see why. Give me one second. I'm so sorry. Hold on. Right, I'm just ahead. stopping this video. I don't know what type of mischief. Um, Enzo? <laughs> There's an animal rescue up the street. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, they actually outlawed that move. I could understand why, because that's also a thing of timing. And let's say, like, my hand slips because those guys have all that oil on them and they're sweating. What can go wrong or what could go wrong will go wrong, like with mm-hmm. one slip of anything. So how long did you do the wrestling thing? For a while. And then I had my own company. I was doing ECW. Then I worked with NWA TNA, um, XWF, Jimmy Hart's wrestling promotion. Mm-hmm. Then I had my own. And then I got sick of like the egos and stuff like that <clears throat> when I was running a company. Um, but I got to meet some really cool people and then I just went on to, I guess, hosting a heavy metal DVD zine series, which led into hosting a show and then having columns in different music magazines. Um, and I was modeling for a coffin case guitars in BC rich. So that was like the next phase of like this whole, when I count it, let me see, 96, for 25 years, I've lived in subcultures. Like okay. Jasmine has lived like throughout these subcultures, which is pretty cool. And um, it's been wild. Like I never thought of it that way. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I always wanted to do a one woman show. So, you know, that was just held back from COVID. I did perform it before a few times. So the next thing is to uh, get back on that again this spring. Tell me about that. I mean, how does that work? What is it? A Weird Kind of Fame was the name of it, um, is the name of it. So <clears throat> I was taking classes at Second City uh, Improv, which is just a great acting skill to have. It's not comedy like people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither are one-person shows. In case you've seen Undisputed with Mike Tyson, it's one of the best one-person shows I've ever seen. Uh, Cause it was very minimal and it was very basic. Like his story was so good. Cause if you get too many laughs going throughout a show, it loses the meat of the story. And he has a great one. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I was taking classes at second city, um, you know, someone I, we went, I went to some, Oh, I was hosting someone's improv show that one night, some friends of mine. And someone said, Oh, you should do a one woman show. And I had no idea what the hell that thing was. Like, what the fuck is that? Right. So right. finally, um, I looked into it. And the original show was about 100 and something pages. It's now 24. Uh, and wow. I performed it. Yeah, I know, I know the 45-minute version of it. I know the 50-minute version and the hour and 15 minutes. There are three so, versions. So what is it? Is it you telling your story? Well, yeah, kind of. It's like in a very illustrated, very, um, it's a very fun way to do it. Okay. So you're up on stage and you have visuals? Yeah. A lot of AV costume changes. 
I mean, it's one thing like when you talk about it to people, but it's different when it's performed on stage. It's a certain art to doing it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had fun doing it. It's just there are a lot of people I went to classes with that didn't know a lot about me. And then they came to the show, (laughs) which is really funny. But then they loved it. It's like then they become like your best friends. I remember the first night of my show on opening night. I'm standing there. I'm stage left. And, uh, you know, stage right. Then the stage left, there's this girl sitting there just like staring and staring. Like, I'm like, what the fuck is this bitch's problem? Like, <laughs> seriously. So after the, like, I, I like gave her a few nasty looks back from the stage. So then after the show, uh, my friends were waiting for me outside of where the dressing room was. And my friend Nico, I'm like, like, I'm like, who is that girl? Like I was pointing to her, like it was kind of obvious. Mm-hmm. It was so immature. So my friend Nico goes over to talk to her and he comes back. I'm like, why the fuck? What does she want? Who the fuck is she? Why is she here? He's like, Jasmine, you're standing on the stage doing a show. So of course she's watching you, but she picked up the flyer at second city to come to the show. It's like, Oh, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) But you felt like a jerk, huh? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're polite ways to stare. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so this this one woman show, is this something you may film or anything? Put a um, put out a video? Maybe, yeah, eventually, maybe do like a Netflix special or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when are you gonna be starting this up again? <clears throat> Probably in May. Out in California? Or does it tour? It'll be like New York, LA. Okay. Um, or speaking to someone in Canada. Um, so yeah, they're different places. I see. I see. Okay. It'd be fun. Yeah. It sounds like it would be. It's hard. Like you have to practice it and put it back up on the shoes. Like if it wasn't for um, second city, I don't think it ever would have been put up on its legs because the director was from second city. He's one of my teachers mm-hmm. and he developed the stage show with me. He was so much fun to work with. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he was like, a, he's a total King of this stuff. So second city, you said it's a improv school. Yeah. Is that what it is? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so you, what do you, you just, they give you scenarios and you just improv or how's that? Well, they give you the building blocks of improv. So you get all the building blocks of how the scenes are built. And it it, it just helps with acting too and like scene work. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a lot more than what people think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you like acting in, in films? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I took classes for that too. I'm on my last year of a Meisner class. So you meet all kinds of people and it's funny because in like these, these more um, concentrated classes, like a Meisner class, I remember when the class started, there were about 30 people, right? Mm-hmm. So now we're down to about 20 or 18. Oh man, they couldn't take you it. Don't always, you never, you don't always uh, graduate with the same people you started the class with. Did you ever That's do stand-up people. comedy? No, I don't like stand-up. No, I'll watch other like people. I, 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 no, it's like every other freaking bitch does stand-up comedy. <laughs> oh my God, I'm a stand-up. <laughs> It's like, no, I don't want to come to your fucking show and watch you talk about your uncle finger, like finger banging you. Like, why the fuck right, would right, I want right. to come do that? You know, I, I don't got want you. to. I got you. I got you. So it's just like, it seems like the theme, like my friend Von DiCarlo, she does stand up, but she's actually talented. So her, I'll go watch um, Von DiCarlo. And then like, I'll watch my friend Jason Rouse or Sam Norton. Those guys, I'll watch them. 
but I'm not going to go to a regular comedy, a stand-up show. I probably do really well with it. Uh, but no, I'll pass. Yeah. Okay. Now, when did you go out to LA? Was this early nineties, late eighties, somewhere in that time? No, no. Uh, mid nineties. Mid nineties. You went out there. Okay. And then when you were out there, you ended up dating Lemmy as well, right? Yeah. And then remaining best friends, like forever. How did you meet Lemmy? The rainbow. Oh, well. how do you meet anyone out here? No. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess that's where he would be, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy place now. It's not what it was once before. Mm-hmm. I used to live out there in Bakersfield. I don't know if you know where that I is. I know where that is. 805. Yep. So, so yeah, about an hour North of LA or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember going to the rainbow my first time and <laughs> Lemmy had just left. They said. Like his seat was still warm where he sat. I think it was on oh, the corner, the if I remember. Guys, yeah. yeah, yeah, on the corner. The yeah. So I just missed him. <laughs> but I would have liked to met, met Lemmy. He was a pretty a cool guy, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't hang out with people that are idiots. Well, I do sometimes, but not always. <laughs> not then. Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest idiot I met back then, there are a lot of them. Kato Kale. <laughs> you hung out with Kato? Uh, he was, I was at the warehouse record store by the Beverly center and he was like trying to, he was talking. I don't know who the fuck he was. It was just some short blonde guy. Now, yeah, I mean, now, I went when you, to eat, but that was with him, but that was that. When you meet people like that, do they know who you are? Do they know yeah. your history? They do? Yeah. He was watching Stern at the time. It was the same time I met Andrew Dice Clay and, you know, he was also on Stern, but I, I didn't realize it was Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, he's like awesome. Did so when you meet people like that and they recognize you and know who you are and in your history, do they assume you're a certain way? Probably, I guess. They first of all they assume you're pretty stupid, which is right, you know right. which is a smart assumption. Which you are not. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah. I mean I met some of the bald ones before. Mm-hmm. Um, that was interesting. I worked with Stephen Baldwin on a film once. Um it had some kind of weird like jesus undertone to it i'm like okay i didn't know he was on the j train which is fine uh uh okay now you talk about on your podcast your podcast is called um crazy train with a k with a k yes crazy crazy train with a k (laughs) you had spoke i've heard a couple of those episodes um you spoke about hanging out with the guys in the crew Right, that was one of your earlier ones. Oh, was Vince Neil with that stupid debacle with his fucking bodyguard goon? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's just like, I mean, you know, I don't if I if someone like if someone put on like fifty pounds and they look like Buddha, that's not on me. You know, how's that? That's on that's on you, not on me. Right, and um. And it's kind of like what Chris Rock said in that whole Fire Music Festival scandal. If you want to pay $10,000 to see Blink-182, that's on you. So, you know, you put on 50 pounds and look like Buddha, that's on you. So if I don't recognize you, that's on Yeah, same thing. Right, right. Yeah, he just, I mean, I, I, I didn't know who he was till after my friend told me. And I'd grown up, like, listening to Motley Crue, of course. And you didn't recognize him? No. Dude, I mean... He's in these leather pants and like this freaking vest. And I don't know why he was wearing that. It was really, is really disturbing. <laughs> okay. I mean, funny. it wasn't, it's, it's, it's like, it's not, I mean, it wasn't as disturbing as knowing, finding out the guys in the Poison album cover 
wasn't a bunch of hot chicks, you know, like I'm sure guys thought that was disturbing. They thought it was four hot girls on an album cover. Come to find out it's four guys. I thought it was girls. (laughs) Which one did you think was hot? I, you know what? I don't remember. I I was (laughs) young, but I remember thinking, I was like, is that girls? Those are four hot girls. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember that. Brett Michaels. Yeah. Um, so tell me about your podcast a little bit. When did this get going? Um, during the pandemic, I was doing a lot of voiceover work for Amazon. Like I've narrated so many audiobooks, It's not even a joke. Really? Uh, yeah. Just under different names. Cause I do dialects as well. So. Well, hold, hold, I, hold on one second. So huh? let's, let's, let's talk to me about that a little bit. I mean, cause huh? you know, a bunch of languages, yeah, right? And so reading these audiobooks, I mean, how is that? That seems like that you'd, I'd be yawning a lot, I think. I don't have the setup you do. You probably could calibrate it a lot better than I could. My friend had to show me how to do it from a laptop. Uh-huh. And um, I had to calibrate things. I had this French Bible to read, this French book. Jeez. Um, yeah, I had a lot of stuff. Like it was all in French. And then I had one in um, German. Then I had just regular books. I also narrated a kid's book. I just, like I said, use different names. Not that it would get, make a difference. Right. Um, it pays into, you get paid through Screen Actors Guild, if you're a member, and they pay into your pension that way. Mm. So it was in a total waste, but it's very time consuming. I bet. But during a pandemic, what else do you have to do? I'm not going to sit in there, Good you know, point. watching the news all day, getting all stupidly amped up. So I just found other constructive ways to spend my time. All right. So into your podcast. So you started yes. your podcast and how did you, why a podcast? It wasn't really my idea, to be honest with you. Um, at first I was against that. No offense. I'm just like, why the fuck would I want to do a podcast? Like everyone and everyone's cats have a goddamn podcast. I don't want one. Blah, blah, blah. Right, right. I was totally against it. Then I said, you know what? You have a one woman show. Build up the audience. So then out of the woodwork, comes these like younger girls in that millennial group, but they're the cooler ones. Like this one owns a magazine called Mel magazine. And they did this really nice piece on me. And she was so sweet. She was very cool to talk to. She's like 25. I remember speaking to her. I said, let me guess you 20 something. She's like, yeah. Uh I said, you weren't even a dad's from a new dad's ball sack, sweetheart, but I'll, you know, (laughs) I'll talk to you. So I just realized there's this whole other fan base of girls and guys would probably come to the show. Then poof, there goes the vice thing, dark side of the nineties. I'm like, Oh, so maybe I should just keep this podcast up. And, um, it's given me more of a following of people, uh, from different ages. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, walks of life, uh, people who just, you know, are going through the little podcasts and like, want to hear something different. I mean, it's, it's nothing, like I wasn't sure how it was going to be formatted, but my co-host is a complete genius, Greg. And it's funny whenever he interviews me or talks to me on the show about a story, I feel like I'm talking to a therapist, but he's like, okay, what, what do you want to talk about today? And I'm like, so it's like, do I, are you building my medical insurance today? Um, then we have guests. So I have mm-hmm. different guests from the adult business, from um, wrestling, music, like any and everyone I'd like to get like, um, I don't know. I'll get, like, I want to get Lorena Bobbitt. Um, 
people like that, like cool people that are pretty like have done something outrageous. Uh, right. Right. Maybe like Mike Lindell, something like that. People have been affected by cancel culture. Like I'll have almost anyone on the show that's worth it. And definitely people would be interested. I know people have mixed feelings about him, but it's not even a political thing. The guy makes the best towels in the world. Um, and, you know, I just want to hear his story because I read his book and, you know, I would bring him on my show just because of the book. Right. Right. I kind of like the way how a lot of your episodes are with Greg talking to you. Um, because because like this show i don't i I don't script this show i just kind of we're just talking see how it goes yeah right it's good uh, and and that that's what i like because i I want it to be like the first time we've ever spoken and it is (laughs) right now is the first time we've ever spoke and i kind of get that feel a little bit from your show it's just more just uh it's not so much of an interview it's more of a conversation yeah Plus Greg's like a metalhead, so it's easier to talk to him and like he gets it. Like I think if it wasn't for Greg, none of this would be going on. And I'm super mm. like grateful to my lucky stars. Like thank them for him. Um he's a lot of fun to work with. Yeah. <laughs> and we have more guests. I want to get like we have other guests coming up soon. We've already taped a bunch of other episodes, so those are gonna come out. Like I want to tape at least two a week and, you know, um, it just talks about different things in the nineties and pop culture. So there are different topics on each episode. Maybe it's a modern person we put on there. Maybe it's someone from whatever era. So it's mm-hmm. something for everyone. And that's the fun part of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now is that's just audio only, right? Or do you do video? Yeah, I don't have a camera. The only time I turn the camera on is like if it's a friend of mine I haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Like I'll video. Uh, we'll we'll take the podcast, just not the video, but just the audio. But at least I'll see them. You know, mm-hmm. like when Vonda Carlo came on the show, she had her camera on. Like one thing Greg taught me is like just have your camera on if they have their camera on. I'm like okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Plus, I get to see my friends that way. <laughs> there you you go. know. It's a plus. Right? Tell me about it. <laughs> um, it's a little easier to have a conversation with somebody with the camera as well. When I first really? started the show, it was audio only. I've only been doing video for you know, a couple episodes now. I'm so um, on. <laughs> but, but it's easier to talk to somebody when you're looking at them than on the phone, you know? Yeah, that's true. I don't like texting, but like I'll... Um... You know, if I'm talking to people, because things could be misconstrued in a text. Mm, I'll tell you a funny story. Like, uh, it was with my boyfriend. It's really funny. Um, So there was an issue with T-Mobile a few, like about a month ago. And I thought he hung up on me. Then he called me later that day. I'm like, what do you want? You're all mad. He's like, what? So he hung up. Then I was texting like crazy. Like, you want to talk about psycho texting? I mean, it was like, Uh And he never got any freaking message. So you thought he was ignoring you. Oh, my God. Like, let me tell you. <laughs> poor guy. Yeah, poor guy. You already know. <laughs> then I sent T-Mobile text messages. I'm like, what is wrong with your fucking network? And blah, blah, blah. Like, no, geez. Oh, shit. They're like, is everything okay? I'm like, no, it's not okay. But yeah, it was something with T-Mobile. And maybe my phone. I actually have to upgrade my phone um, soon. <laughs> Soon would be good. So I guess he got that worked out with you, though. You, so you oh, yeah, he... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Um, so where do you see your podcast going? What would you like to have it 
do for you? I'd like it to build up more Jasmine awareness um, and, you know, just to get a wider audience and that comes to the show and watches the show. Mm-hmm. Weird okay. kind of thing. That's the, the one woman show and just more people that listen, more listeners and just to be able to, um, you know, have that in my pocket wherever I go to work. And I think it's mm-hmm. great, you know, just work anywhere from the world. Cause my goal is to move back to Europe at some point. Um, and work there as an actress and, you know, have my podcast and my one woman show. I think when I first got inspired to really go for the show, mm-hmm. uh, there was a woman at second city giving workshops on one person shows. Okay. She had one, but she got paid like $4,000 to go to Poland for a weekend mm-hmm. to do her show. And that's what you would like. Yeah. It doesn't have yeah. to be Poland could be right, anywhere. Right, right, right. Um, you know, I could do it in five different languages, but it is my goal. Yeah. Awesome. I thought that was a really nice paycheck. And, you know, she had some good advice. Um, I never saw her show, but I saw her TV show and she did a, a one woman show based off of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> now, do you have a website for this one woman show? Uh, a weird kind of fame.com. Okay. It's on Instagram. Uh, Facebook, it's on Twitter, Twitter, whatever it is. <laughs> All of them. Okay. And is there any video clips of the first show you did? Um, no. no, I have the whole thing on video and someone was making me like a three minute reel clip of it Yeah. Um, to sell it. So that'll go up soon. I have photos from it. There are a lot of costume changes though. So Wherever I go, they have to have a good AV and then there has to be a good area just for me to change quickly and come out. The cues are really tough at first, but I think like once I run the show, like one or two times by myself in a rehearsal, I could figure it out. Okay. You think you, uh, <laughs> would you ever do your podcast on the road? Yeah, I would do it anywhere. I would, I could do it from the beach. That's what's kind of cool, right? With the podcast. I mean, I do it from this right? room all the time, but. But from South cool. Carolina. Yeah, I'm in South Carolina. I love it. That's awesome. Cracker Barrel, <laughs> Perkins, Shoney's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, Jasmine. Well, alligator wrestling. I haven't seen alligator wrestling. Oh, that's in Florida. My that's bad. in Florida. When I was a kid, I saw alligator wrestling. So wait a second. Are you? Do you have the crazy horse there? In Myrtle Beach. Yeah. No. Um, because I worked you, there before. That's we, no, we have a, I, there's a dollhouse, I believe. That's it. Was it there that I, I worked somewhere there once? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been in one of those in a long time. Are you just saying that or you really have been? No, no, I'm, I'm to find out. Okay. No, I'm telling <laughs> the truth. <laughs> I, this show is about real conversations. I'm not lying. Good. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't like, remember the last time I've been in one, in a, to a club. The clubs there were nicer and the, the Southern hospitality and everything. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know what the temperature is of clubs there now, like how they work things that, you know, how things are, but that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> did you, did you tour as a dancer? Oh yeah. A feature dancer. Okay. That's where the okay. money was. Hmm? Being a feature dancer. That's where the yeah. money is. Okay. And so what do they just, I mean, how does that work? They just pay you to dance or. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then like they paid through an agent who would book you there. And then, um, yeah, that's it. So okay. it was like, it was a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. I like going to the Carolinas. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what else? I didn't even ask you about. You had your own action figure. 
Yeah, I did. <laughs> she was cool. I always I wanted my own like action figure. You, you have do? One? You want one? I, I've always wanted one of my of me. You could make one. I could, but it doesn't come out. I'll buy it. You would? Yeah, I promise. I'll, right. buy. I'll, I'll, you know I'll, if, I'll buy. I'll let you know. I'll buy. I'll let you know if I get one. I will be the first one to buy one, and you've got to sign it for me. Sold. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jasmine. Well, listen. I appreciate you taking time joining me on this show, mm-hmm. uh, my little podcast here. Um, I had fun. Thank you. Good. I'm, I'm glad you had let, fun. Yeah. Thanks, and thank you for you know being patient. Um, yeah. No worries. Let me know when it's out. I will definitely. I will. Uh, I'll let you. I'll send you an email and I'll tag you as well if you don't mind. Okay. Cool. Ruby. Yeah. All right. Good luck with your podcast. Good luck with your one one woman show. Okay. And then uh, maybe we'll talk in the future again. I hope so. See you. Okay. Bye. Bye. That's all for this week. Join us next week for another episode of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show podcast. Available on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.